Vera Payne. Despite the popularity of League of Legends, the game does have some issues that need to be addressed, and kind of urgently. Some of these issues are minor, while others are more critical. They all show that Riot Games need to change how it goes about things on even a basic level. Invin Global Esports reporter Nick Geraci joins me to speak about the issues that are plaguing League of Legends and how Riot is reacting to these issues. Thanks for joining me, Nick. My pleasure. It's always good to be here. I haven't spoke to you in a while, and between the last time we spoke to now, so a lot of things have changed. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is flex picks, because that has really change the games but you know before we continue could you explain what exactly is a flex pick absolutely so a flex pick is a uh, champion in league of legends who can be played in more than one role therefore you know a, like a flexible pick you know so for example something that can go in both mid or top lane right like in aurelia or something that that's a flex pick and the advantage to that is if you're in a team setting you can pick one of these flex picks without really giving away you know, which which position it's going to. So it makes it harder for your opponents to know what matchup. It's like, oh, that could be going anywhere. It makes it harder to predict exactly what you'll be throwing at them and where it'll be. Now, I get why flex picking is so important in pro play because those are the little, like, trump cards you may have. Like you said, you could take Irelia and you would think, oh, that's going top lane, and it's no. They decided to switch to mid lane. And it's very interesting to see that kind of dynamics. Do you think, though, that it has a negative impact in other modes of the game that aren't pro play? I think there's something to be said for the flexibility creep in League of Legends kind of being a double-edged sword. Flex picks have always been something that exists, but within the past few years, we've had a, a lot more flex picks. You know, this is due to changes in the game, right? Like, and itemization that have made certain things more, it, it used to be very much like these champions play these roles, and now it's more of like, there's still sort of things that are set as like the standard but it's also like we have boxes we need to check in terms of like okay we need magic damage we need engage we need like all these things that a team comp comes from but the, the the idea of where you can get those what what position those things come from is a lot more open than it used to be so it's not just the flexibility of these of these champions it's also that the game itself is getting more flexible in, in general simultaneously a lot of the newer champions are not only strong but also incredibly flexible gwen that was re which was recently released has already been seen in three roles. Diego, the Ruin King, who was released previously, that's another three-role champion. I guess the detriment is that roles can sort of lose their core identity. I think for older players, it can be tougher to adapt. But I think objectively, it is a healthier thing. But at some point, allowing for so much innovation can actually sort of, you know, squash it, like counterintuitively. Absolutely. I will admit, I myself do a lot of solo cues. I don't like to play with other people. You pick up a game, you're just done, right? And one of the problems that I have is that I can't even identify who a troll is anymore because of flex picking. It's like, is this player really trying to take this champion to top lane? I mean, maybe it's a new meta. I don't know. So it's almost like a coin flip whether or not you're going to get a good match because of flex picking. And then that goes two ways, right? Like, on one hand, it very much is like you do see things that are a lot more unorthodox, maybe. And on one hand, I think that that is objectively a good thing because, really, if we're playing Silver Solo Q or something, they're, yes, we're playing League of Legends, but the idea of something being viable is, you know, it's a little looser below, like, you know, master grandmaster tier like it, it, more things are viable in different positions simultaneously though you can get, get yourself in a position to where just because you see a pro player play something unorthodox or a high level streamer play something interesting doesn't mean that you should go try it at home right away and, and queue it up in solo queue you know for your first for your first game so 
I, I think my rule of thumb is kind of like if I see someone picking something weird, oftentimes I try to just give them the benefit of the doubt because you never know. And like I said, if at the end of the day, it's if it's like, you know, if you're in low ELO, it's not really worth the, uh, I don't think it's worth getting stressed out about because you never know, they might be pretty good. But also I think there are people out there who maybe take that flexibility too far because they like saw their favorite streamer doing an unranked to diamond stream and playing like AD Cassidy in top or something, you know, and Maybe that's not a good pick, you know. So I, I think it's I think it's a double-edged sword, but I also think that's ultimately going to be part of the game, especially with flexibility not only increasing but also becoming higher in priority because of how the game's changing. Now I wanted to jump into the toxicity because it kind of goes hand in hand with the flex picks, because for a lot of people, myself included, it's kind of like is this toxic when you start seeing Timo in every single position? I mean, it goes to you start thinking like maybe a player only plays Timo. No, this player doesn't. This guy, you know, if you check OPGG, they're playing Timo just to troll. And it's like, ugh, you know, you can't really sit there and try to report this player because Timo is kind of a flex pick. So it's kind of like this weird slippery slope you're on. Yeah, I think that's part of the issue too because it's like you could argue like some people could argue that Timo can play both roles and other people can't. And especially at that level, it is all kind of open to interpretation, right? Like, there's plenty of people at my ELO or even higher, you know, just like everyday players who do things that are technically at the top level of play incorrect. But, you know, they work either because the skill gap between them and the person they're playing against is, is, is simply too large for, for it to matter or, you know, just that, like I said, the game is played so sloppy and so different in a solo queue setting. Pro players have often talked about how even at the high level, solo queue and pro play League of Legends are almost two different games. Everyone's going to have their own perspectives, but it's kind of silly to be like, what I see is like I try not to judge other people's picks when I'm queued up with because I'm like, well, regardless of what you're playing, we're somewhat in the same skill level. That's why we got match made together, right? And you know, I'm going to try to give this person the benefit of the doubt. That being said, you can totally tell like when someone you know isn't like I can tell like when it's one thing. Someone's like, okay, they're playing like a weird off meta support because this works. And then there's like your Alistair took you know Ghost Cleanse and is taking the Mukau skin, and then he's just going into lane and hitting his cowbell and then just running into tower and dying on purpose. Like that's not someone doing something unorthodox. It's someone just straight up feeding, right? So I think there's there's obviously exceptions to the rule but in general in general different definitions of flexibility are tough especially when someone you can be like oh that's not gonna work and then it works it's like well what are you gonna say if that guy just hard carried you on a pick like you know that that you thought wasn't good you're gonna say oh it's still not good it's like no you just won the game because of it so i think it's i don't think anything's entirely absolute and it only becomes more absolute at the top level of play and the higher the level you get like the more set in stone there are rules what the flex pick what is viable in multiple positions but you know, with patches, that also, you know, obviously that changes. You know, Syndra hasn't been, is a mid laner through and through, but has been played in the bot lane a lot on the last few patches. And that's, she's gone through other phases like that too in, in the past couple of years, like, but not for a while. And so things change with the patches and how things are balanced. And that's another thing too. Some people will be like, oh, this is viable, but they actually haven't kept up on the patch notes or, or they don't know what the new the new meta is. So they just see it and they're like, you know, this happened a lot during MSI when Morgana was one of the best junglers. People are like, oh, Morgana jungle, you're trolling. It's like, no, she's the fastest player speed in the game. This is like one of the best picks right now. So I think it's kind of a case-by-case basis, and it's hard because you are, are essentially arguing in, in shades of gray. There's no, like, absolute ultimate right answer. That is so true, because when you talked about the Alistar, I thought uh, instantly of the old meta of Int Scion, where Scion would just roll right into the top lane tower, the enemy tower, and just kill himself, and then keep attacking the tower over and over again. And then it was just, you know, intention, inting. And then he would get, you know, 
the first tower and it was just a incredibly uh trollish kind of meta but it worked and sometimes you did get carried by that stuff yeah and that's what i mean right it's like I, uh, champions like that are such a great they're such a great example because like always viable anymore but for a while i mean you still can't do it it's just a little harder than it used to be but like there was a while that the viable strategy for scion top which was a very strong competitive pick at this time was you purposely die to your jungler's blue buff because you can kill it in your passive then you have a blue buff right your jungler goes and gets the, the opposing blue buffs. So then you, you've basically helped your jungler three buff the opposing junglers by using your passive wards. Like in any other situation, dying to a jungle camp couldn't possibly be good for your team, right? So that's what I mean. That's what's fun about League of Legends. We have over 150 characters, and like there are exceptions to every rule. And when when we also get in positions where like, oh, we've never seen something like that before, usually what's a counter to that is something else we've never seen before. So that, that's that's why it's, it's hard to say whether there's absolutes because there's always there's always opportunity for innovation. Now that's just the gameplay, and I know personally I tend to sometimes rage during this game, so I'm not even sure if I can sit there and say that it's toxicity from people raging because I think that goes hand in hand with any competitive game that you're playing. You're going to get angry if you're not winning. One of the things that does get me kind of like miffed about is the toxicity from the players themselves a lot of times they'll just start dogging you from the very beginning and i know one of the newer features that riot has implemented was that during picks you can actually report a player if they start you know they automatically pick a character or they're not talking or you know they're trolling you do you think that this is something that riot needs to do more of like they need to investigate or have some kind of other way to get people to not be toxic obviously it's a problem and there's only so much that you can like uh, do in those circumstances i think that the the nq reporting slash muting because yeah like there's certain people where it's like in the past like oh wow this guy did like a thousand reportable things in you know in, you know in in the chats during the queue whether it be trolling things on a champion on purpose you know sabotaging the experience and stuff the you know racism or whatever you want to call it and it's like, oh, and then he would just, like, leave and dodge the game, right? It's like, well, so he, or, like, you know, he'd just basically try to troll and, like, make you dodge or something like that. Like, it's, it's, it's better that people are held accountable for their actions, like, all the way throughout the experience. Because the League of Legends gaming experience, it starts, you know, it starts before you, you hit someone's rift. So I think that that's, that's a good thing. I think that there's a limit to how much you truly can control, but I do think that, like, Riot has gotten a lot better over the years. If, if you have a straight report, like, someone's not going to get reported, like, it's, I think the system's pretty fair nowadays in terms of, like, there's obviously inconsistencies, but oftentimes the only people I see, like, when I when I get, like, an instant feedback report, like, someone I reported got suspended, it was, like, one of the, almost oftentimes, like, one of the, like, like actively trolling people. Because some people get frustrated, right? Like, like we're all pointing at someone not probably get frustrated but it's like it's not an issue for like verbally abusing people right so it's it's a fine line as what people are like oh you know i got banned for not doing anything but if you actually look it's like oftentimes they they had other games where they were racing or something like that and i I think the system's definitely improved since i you know started playing league of legends in 2013 but i also think there are always you know certain people that you can't really get it you know like there's ways that people can intentionally see the game and still make it look right you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, and you can't really prove that they were like, you know, maybe they went to a lot of effort to do that, you know, but, you know, if someone's already tentative, they already are kind of sacrificing their own time to make you look bad then, right? So, again, change the gray. There's no, like, real absolute, like, like arbitration of solo QB behavior. But I do think they get it right more often than they get it wrong more so now than ever. I do think they got a lot of things right when it comes to people 
treating you poorly. But you also made a good point that um, I would like to talk more about is the AFK farming. That's kind of harder to report. I mean, they're doing their job. They're clearing their waves, but they're kind of engaging with team fights, but then they're not engaging with team fights. So it's a little bit harder to sit there and, and say, hey, this guy was AFK, when you know, like, that's really hard to prove. <laughs> right. And you know it when you see it. Right. But it's really hard to, like, then explain it. Because you could, you know, like, if a guy, let's say, like, you know, for a fact that this guy's been a jerk all game, he's not, you know, they're pushing down our base and he's in top line farming minions. Like, one problem with that is, He's not AFK. You know, the amount of people are moving. He's farming them. He's generating gold. He's staying alive while the rest of you are dying. There's no, there's no optics that make it look like he's trying to win the game any less than you are. Right. Right? And then on top of that, you know, even if there was, it was like, oh, that was obviously not a good time to split push. Then, you know, you can chalk that up to that. Oh, that wasn't intentionally that person being a jerk just to lose the game quicker. It's like, oh, they just, you know. They didn't know. They thought it was the right play, and they didn't know their lane timings because, you know, League of Legends is a complex game. And, I, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I've made the right call every single time. I've, I've had games where I've lost to a back door because I decided to keep pushing too long, and I've won games where someone decided to do the same to me, right? But, you know, that's the thing is, like, someone can be like, oh, I just didn't know, or I thought it was the right play. And it's like you can tell the difference when it happens to you. And you're held hostage like that, but really when you're looking at just the general optics of it, like without sitting someone down in front of your replay, walking through them and getting like really, really conspiracy theory about it, like there's no viable way to prove that that person was trolling. Unless, of course, you're saying in chat, like I'm trolling, or if there's, you know, a pattern of behavior where they've like, they've gone like 0 and 11 in the last 10 games, taking like ghost cleanse instead of actual summoner spells, right? So it's really hard to prove isolated incidences of like not trying to win. So true. And I think that's what makes it so interesting in playing these games and so rage inducing is that. You can prove it, but can't prove it, so on and so forth. Anyways, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was weapons and the recommendations within it. And I think that's such a cool feature that is new for me because I stopped playing for a while. And I really like this. But one of the things I notice is that it really takes a cookie cutter type of item set for particular champions. Do you think this was something that Riot kind of did? Like, why would they want to do cookie cutter? I started playing the game, I started playing League of Legends in 2013, and unlike a lot of people, it was actually my first, like, PC game in, like, a long time. Like, like I was mostly a console gamer growing up as a teenager. Like, the last PC game I played that seriously was, like, Diablo 2 when I was in middle school, right? So, for me, you know, not only not really a PC gamer, but also not someone who played a MOBA, not even someone who played, you know, something MOBA adjacent, like a MMO, like, wow, I never played World of Warcraft or anything like that. So, very foreign concept to me, right? Like, for the first two years of that game, there were still, like, and I played, like, a decent amount those first two years. I was, I was, I was in college. I wasn't doing much. Um, I, uh, for the first two years, there were still items that I didn't know what they did or what their names were. And so, well, I think it looks objectively more cookie-cutter to, to us to what we're used to. It's a lot better for the new player. And because of the way the items have been balanced, they've done it for the most part. Again, there are there are, there are at least three or four items I can pull out of the, the names of the sky right now that are truly problematic in their current forms. But the intention is there to where... Yes, you do have these things that are a little bit more clear-cut, but because of the way that they're streamlined, uh, you're taking less steps to more diverse gameplay. So I think that while there is, like, you know, the double-edged sword of it being potentially a little too cookie-cutter, like, oh, I'm just going to... I can't stand when... Even my friends are like, oh, I just built the recommended items. I'm like, you fool, think for yourself, you know? It is much easier. And also, the thing I really, really like is that they have tooltips on the recommended items to where it's not just that it's recommended, it tells you why, or, like, you know, there's okay, like there's there's three items that build out of lost chapter, right? And it's like, 
you know, Luden's Echo, if you want, like, you know, power and wave clear. It's like, oh, Leander English, if you want max health damage and more CDR. It's like, oh, Everfrost, if you want, you know, the icy, the icy passive flow and the, you know, and the extra health. Like, it, it is kind of more cookie cutter and laid out for you, but it's done in ways that I think make sense to where if you're like, this is the style I'm trying to play, this is the goal I'm trying to accomplish, then it's like, what item's best for that? And I think that those questions are so much easier to answer now than they used to be for new and old players alike. I agree with that. I really do like the changes they did with the recommendation, but it really becomes uh, a point of contention for me only because a lot of people want to be lazy and just go with whatever is in the recommendation. And you're right. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to pick this. And it's like, dude, why did you do that when nobody here is healing? Why would you take this item? You you didn't need to take thorn mail like that. That doesn't make sense. Like, why would you take this item versus that? Like, you need to look at what the team comp, what the enemy team comp is and what your team comp is. Maybe you need a little bit more health because, you know, you don't have the enough tanks on your team. You know, you're, you got all bruisers or something. But it's You need something to be more engaging so somebody can start the team fights. And I think for a lot of players, recommendation kind of made you lazy. Instead of sitting there and saying, hey, this goes well with this particular team versus, hey, I just want to be able to do the most you know, damage output. Yeah, and you can tell the difference between people who are just kind of just clicking whatever's at the top of the box and, and not, because, like, like it, this also kind of goes back into the flexbit conversation, right? Like, I had someone, you know, like, okay, for example, Lulu right now is, is good in multiple roles, uh, primarily support in mid lane, so it's got a candy play top lane. We've even seen her uh, in a weird way, kind of as, like, a just more of a support-focused bot lane carry. Like, she's a very flexible champion. If you take Lulu, you know, in a, in a, in a mid lane or even a top lane role, like, you're not just going to pick the support the support item because it's the recommended thing to support your primary role, right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, Riot's also gotten good at cleaning that up a little bit. You know, now, now no matter what champion you're playing, if you take Smite, that they, it, the system assumes you're the jungler and it gives you jungle recommended items, you know, like, for starting items and stuff. But, yeah, overall, I think, you know, it gets a balance. I think, I think overall, like, it, it, is a, it is a benefit for people to, the, the way these items are structured, but... Yeah, I mean, people can be, like, you know, a little bit lazy, and you can kind of see it, too. Like, some people are kind of going through the most of what they think should be bought because they've seen it bought without being, like, really, like, oh, you know, it's like, well, people can buy Mirella Namacon forever. Of course I'm going to buy that on a mage. It's like, yeah, but the actually ability of that item actually changed a little bit once, uh, you know, this year. And also with, you know, changes to overall stats and how different things interact in the game outside of an item level, like, things do need to be reassessed so again i do think i do think it's you know it's, it's good for new players and it's, it's 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 objectively a better thing but it, it doesn't it, it, you know like like many things the, the risk of simplification is that people stop thinking but I, I do think ultimately it is it is the right choice now this new champion akshan that has come out i've played for a while and i have to say that this is one of the and I thought it was going to be hard, easiest champions to figure out. And I'm not a mid laner. I do top and ADC, sometimes support, never jungle, never mid. And Akshan is absolutely face roll. And I have to hear your opinion. What do you think of this new champion? It's funny because I really, really was excited for a marksman that is, was designed for mid lane. Most of the marksmen in mid lane were like bot laners who kind of became mid laners as the roles sort of changed what they were looking for, like, you know, Corky and Lucian, who used to be mostly bot laners, who are now almost exclusively, like, mid laners, right? Action is, like, the Omega version of, like, game balance issues at Riot, I think, because he has all these abilities that are really, really cool, and they look like fun ideas and stuff, but 
I think what we're seeing here is that like, I mean, and again, this could change very, very early, right? I, I've been around before, but like abilities that revive teammates, this, this weird thing where you can like kind of grapple around. Like he has so many different things. His kit is so overloaded compared to a champion, like say like Malphite or something like that. Like he, his kit is so overloaded that the only way to make somebody this like, like balanced who's this, who has this powerful abilities to just have awful stats. That's what we saw. His win, his win rate was super low actually when he first came out and they had to hot fix him because they didn't want him to be so way too powerful, but like because his abilities are so good, I don't know if there's a way to properly balance the champion. This reminds me kind of something we were talking about earlier last year, where Akali was still in the meta and one of the best champions despite receiving 15 straight nerfs across the past year, but with no buffs in between. That's like her abilities simply are too good, and to this day we're seeing Akali in Pro Play because she has so many unique abilities that can't really. You can balance the champion, but like you can't balance a like a unique one of a kind of ability like a shroud that can like make you go invisible, that you can attack them, that you can move with it. Like you know what I mean? Like action has like two or three of those abilities. So I don't know. I, I mean I think it's telling that they've already said they've disabled him for like most of the pro playoffs and worlds. Like we're probably not gonna see action in a competitive game until twenty twenty two. And you got speaks to the fact that like no one knows what this champion is. Some people like you said you've had a great experience with it, completely destroyed people. Other people have had a really bad experience with it. Some people think it's really, really strong. Some people think that well the kit is good, it is it, the, the the stats are just garbage. It's 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 actually really it's really hard to evaluate. I think it's gonna take more time, but it's also gonna take more time than average because of this kit is super over tuned. He can revive teammates. That's that's never that's you know what I mean? Like it's, yes. it's not like he's like a healer champion. He's like a he's a marksman, he's doing damage. So it's it's very strange, you know. He's kind of like the apex of balance issues. So like, it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle it because I think it will actually, it will actually define how they how they handle kits like this going forward. Absolutely, I think this is a litmus test for whether or not we can expect broken characters in the future because this guy is just way too strong and so much fun to play. The heroic swing, I've never felt so like pro player right here. <laughs> That's another thing too is like when. These champions that are hard to quantify is because the, when these abilities are broken, it's like sometimes you know, like you said, you've 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 had really really good experiences with action. And the fact that his stats aren't actually that good right now hasn't bothered you because you've probably, what I assume, I haven't played the senior games played, you've probably been able to utilize these incredibly powerful abilities at the right time to where a little bit of like inferior math isn't really gonna matter, right? Like. Nerfing a Kali's Shuriken damage 14 times isn't going to matter when she can go into an invisible cloud of mist, right? Like, it, 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 it very much is. Like, that kind of leads to these things where, you know, it's it, it's not going to matter if action doesn't do as much damage if he can do so many game-changing things with his kit that it's not going to matter, like like reviving people and those kind of things. Absolutely. And you know what it is? One of the things with Akshan is that I noticed that he does really well with armor pen, critical strike, and then you have to spec him correctly. You need that sudden impact. If you don't have sudden impact, you're not going to do much damage. And he's really just about like burst assassination. So you're going to sneak in. You're going to do a couple of your moves. Bada bing, bada boom. You hope you kill him. If you don't, you just sneak away. And it's just so lame because usually you can't do it on the first shot. And once you get the hang of it, it's so easy to go from lane to lane. And it's definitely, I kind of feel like, you know how in some games, some video games, they'll have like that one character that's really kind of low, like, you know, anybody can really feel awesome playing this character. And I feel like Akshan is that guy where if you're going to introduce someone to this game, you're going to be like, play this guy. You're 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 going to you're going to win 
if you play this guy enough. And if you you don't win with him, it also feels like he doesn't really impact the game negatively if it's if he's not really around too much. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like because of like the utility he offers, like the revive and stuff. It's like even if he's not, even if you know, like a lot of times, like oh my squishy damage dealer didn't get ahead. I'm falling behind. It might be hard for me to come back. But he has enough value in his kit outside of that that it it's a, it's not going to hurt him as much. Which is again, it's a, it's these type of champions are really really hard to balance. Like we've seen rise reworked like six times since he was created, right? Because mages are usually centered around burst, or they're going to be more of a DPS style mage like Azir, but when someone is just a mana-stacking machine gun mage like Ryze, who's like kind of not really fitting into any sort of traditional mage class, or any class really for that matter, when you think about it, you're going to have something that's going to cause a lot of balance problems, because it's it's not really playing by the standard rules of the game. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily OP by default, but it does make it hard to balance when it's unorthodox in, in, in the way of, like, of how things interact, you know? Like, like, for, like Ryze builds mana and that helps them do more damage because of how his cooldowns work. Most champions to do more damage they have to, you know, they have to build damage. You know, so like like that's a, that's an oversimplification of course. But you know, that things like that are tough to balance. And and Axon, his his kid is chock full of these type of things. Yeah, and this isn't the first time that a character has been looked down upon. But you know what I think is that it's coming to a point where Riot has been making this game for so long, you would think they would have figured out not to put something this overpowered into the game. And one of the things, like, I wouldn't mind if they did that is if we had more bands, maybe chalk it up to 10 bands per side or something, more like seven, something, because they have so many characters or so many champions at this point that it kind of feels like I have to automatically ban this character instead of actually trying to figure out like, oh, who should we ban? It's like, oh, we already got three people we have to ban. We have to ban Akali, we got to ban uh, Akshan, and we got to ban Viego before you can even get down to an actual competitive ban. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's something that, like, like you said, there's a lot more champions there used to be. And I, 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 I think... I don't want to say like Riot made a mistake by like putting action in the game in, in that way. So I don't think that's fair. I do think that it's like, I don't think that'd be fair to say for, from my perspective because of the fact that, you know, this is like, you know, they've made 150 characters. Like the way that you try to push, you know, the, the boundaries of innovation at this point is you are trying to invent new abilities, things that like we haven't seen before. I understand that that's kind of like how, how that goes. Yeah. I think like when it comes to like a, you know, that sort of picture, five bands has been, the case for a while now and a lot more champions have come out since then and like i said a lot of these champions because they're a lot of these newer champion kits their abilities are you know things we haven't seen before just things that are like very different we're now we're, we're seeing a lot of these newer champions be really op on release or very, like above average flexibility or both it, it's all very complex it's very like push the boundaries of what can be viable and what is possible in league of legends you know like and they've been doing this for a while. I can remember, you know, when Bard first came out, his his portal thing was controversial. We've come a long way since then, but I do think with where we are now in the game and the power creep of things, like just in the in the last couple of years, thinking of things that are just been absolutely bonkers. Elios in his prime is absolutely absurd. Uh, you know, like even earlier this earlier this year, just like you know, Gwen came out and immediately was viable, not just viable, like one of the best champions in top mid jungle, and was just permanent. It's it, it's going to happen with these new kits being made, which is why when, it, which is why there should be room for to, for them to be made and be experimented with. But then when push comes to shove and you're playing a competitive game or you're in a competitive atmosphere, you're like, I'm trying to win. I don't want to deal with what could be potentially crazy stuff. Yeah, then 
gives them the opportunity to ban it. I mean, that's basically what we're doing with what, what the what the pro scene is doing with action, right? Like, you can't you're not gonna be able to play action at Worlds. There's nothing that's set that he's gonna take advantage. It's like he won't exist in the game as far as you know pros are concerned at Worlds. So I think the idea of giving the average the average player more bans, maybe each player like you know if I queue up for a game, me and the other four guys get two. I don't know, but I do think that more bans is a solution when not only do we have more champions than before, but the rate of those champions being strong or game-changing or potentially game-breaking is a lot higher when the kits are being designed to, like, let's innovate this game in a new way that we have before. And that just lends itself to a lot more balance issues. Well, Nick, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And before I let you go, do you have any upcoming articles that you want to preview us on? I do have a few things coming out ahead of the LCS playoffs. A few features on a couple of players in the LCS who I think have done pretty well, which will feature exclusives from the players themselves as well as their teammates and coaches. But something I'm really excited about with the LCS playoffs starting is, fingers crossed, if the world if the world stays safe. As of right now, we are all set for the LCS summer finals in Newark, New Jersey, at the end of the month. And you know, like I said, if 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 that if, if things go off without a, without a hitch with, with the COVID stuff, that will be my first live event that I'll be covering in a very long time. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. So follow me on Twitter or anywhere. Keep keep an eye out for that. Once I, I'm going to do my best to confirm plans and see what's possible and hopefully get some really, really good coverage there. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne, that's all one word, and don't forget to share the show with your friends.